Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I am excited about this podcast today. Um, I have not always been, just full transparency, I've not always been excited about what we're going to talk about today. But as I've gotten older, and I was just telling the crew just a few minutes ago, I was like, I said something about my hair, and then I was talking about something else. I was like, well, you know, I'm just doing what I can being 40, and I'm not, I'm not 40 yet, but I might as well be. I'm 37. But anyways, as I've gotten older, this, what we're talking about today, discipline, has become just increasingly more important to me. When I was younger, I was, I've always kind of been a fly by the seat of your pants, always down for a party. Like I'm super spontaneous in so many ways. And As I got older, I realized that discipline was something that if I wanted to be successful, if I wanted to be taken serious, if I wanted to get better at my craft, at my job, even at like relationships, I had to incorporate at some point discipline into my life to achieve and reach goals that I wanted to reach. But for me, discipline was was difficult. Discipline is difficult. It It was hard. It didn't come natural to me. And it makes me think of Hebrews 12, 11. It says, discipline in the moment seems painful, but in the end, it produces fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So commitment, um, if you want to think of it this way, commitment's not always easy. Like making a commitment to run every day for 30 days. I did that one time. I had a friend that was um, that we used to run together quite a bit. Uh, he went off for training uh, to uh, to a military camp for 30 days, and I said, man, I'm going to run every single day until he gets back because when he gets back, I want to be able to run with this guy. I want to, and, and so I, I disciplined myself. It didn't matter if it was raining. It didn't matter if it was crazy hot or muggy. We're in South Georgia, and it's often quite miserable. Even after it rains at night, it's super muggy, and humidity's crazy here. But I ran every day for a minimum most days I tried to shoot for three miles. Some days I would run five every day. It was insane. But at the end of that month, at the end of 30 days, when my friend came back from training, I was able to keep up with him. And I even uh, excelled past where he was and running became this thing for me because my commitment began to match my desire. I wanted to be a good runner right? I, I wanted to be good at something. I'll give you another example. When I was younger and learning to play the guitar, I really wanted to know how to play without looking at my hands. I didn't want to have to look down and say, okay, I'm going from one chord to another. So at night, uh, when I would go to bed, I would turn the lights off and play my guitar in the dark. So even if I tried to look, I couldn't see what I was doing, right? Like there was this commitment And when the commitment rose to the level of my desire, I was able to get better at my craft and to get better at my job. Listen, it's going to be that way in your life. There are going to be things that you want to accomplish and you want to do, but if you do not have discipline, if you don't incorporate discipline into your life in some way, you're not going to meet those goals. 
you're not going to reach that level. You're, you're not going to get the promotion, right? You're, you're not going to get better at what you want to get better at until you can really be committed to the growth. And that what that takes is discipline. I love the way Mike Tyson said it one time. He was talking with one of his coaches and, and he was, I think it was something about some back work he was doing or something. He was just hating life at the moment. He was just hating the gym. And the coach looked at him. He said this. He said, Mike, you have to do what you hate and learn to love it because the things that you hate in the gym are the things that make you better. So for a lot of us in life, like, like we, we hate sometimes to eat healthy, right? Like, like I want the donuts. There's this truck that comes to town in Tifton called Yodi's and, um, it, they're the best donuts that God has ever gifted anybody to make. I want those, but discipline, like if I want to maintain, right, if I want to maintain my health, like I have to be able to say no, and it's not always enjoyable. So know that like, and, and really the first thing that I want to say in when it comes to discipline is that. Discipline is a balance between your commitment and your desire. Find out what your desire is. Find out what your goal is, what you want to accomplish. And then you have to raise your commitment level to meet your desire. Discipline is also yesterday's non-negotiable that will affect tomorrow's progress. Listen, the, the promotion that you get, the job well done that you seek, who you want to become, who you are today is not because of what you did this morning. It's because of what your habits were and are and have been three months ago, six months ago, and a year ago. Okay? And, and who you're going to be a year from now is not based on what you do a year from now. Who you're going to be and what you're going to accomplish a year from now is based on what you commit to do today. Because yesterday's non-negotiables are the things that affect tomorrow's progress. I'll give you a real quick story. When I think about this and that phrase, yesterday's non-negotiable affect tomorrow's progress. I, um, I preach uh, every Sunday, typically here at our home church at FBC Tifton, and, and I have for the past decade. And I have an ability, I have a gift to be able to recall scripture pretty regularly without, without having read it in, in, in a long time. I can pull up chapters. It's almost like if I have, I have flashcards in my brain or something. I don't know how you guys think I'm crazy. I know, but maybe like a filing cabinet that I can just pull these flashcards from and I, I can see the verse, I can see the page, I can see the chapter. And what I realized is when I first knew I was called to preach, I was very, very young. I started preaching when I was 16 years old. And I would work uh, at Red Lobster or Zaxby's during the day, or I'd go to school at high school, get out of high school, go to work, get home from work about 11 or 12 at night, and I would read my Bible every night um, for at least an hour, but sometimes up to two or three hours every night. I did not miss. It was a non-negotiable for me. Every single night, I used to get in trouble. My dad was not a believer at the time, and uh, my grades weren't always great, but I was always in the Bible. My dad would come into my room at one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And he would say, TJ, turn your lamp off, quit reading. And, uh, and then he would usually follow that up with like, I wish you were as committed to your homework as you are to this Bible, right? But I read every single night for hours on end. And I devoted myself to memorizing the scriptures, to knowing the stories, to, to becoming friends with the characters from each chapter. The Bible became this thing that I was committed to because I believe it to be the Word of God and the heartbeat of God on paper. So because I committed myself, it was a non-negotiable to read and study and dig. Now, all of these years later, there are, there are all these benefits and all of this fruit that are, that's built into my life 
that I can't forget even if I wanted to, right? Like in those seasons where I just want to be lazy, immediately in my mind, Proverbs pops up, right? A little sleep, a little slumber, a folding of the hands and poverty will come upon you like a thief. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, like all those hours of reading and there it is. So what we do yesterday is the non-negotiable as a non-negotiable will inform tomorrow's progress. So what are the things in your life that you need to do today? Think of it this way. What are the things that you need to do today to get to where you want to be tomorrow? Because hear me say this, you might be tempted to say, well, well, TJ, I can't read like that, right? Don't give me that. Like I have a learning disability. I was diagnosed with uh, ADHD when I was a kid. I was held back one of my grades in high school. I graduated in the lower portion of my high school class and I scored on an SAT um, what most of you probably, you probably have a better credit score than I had an SAT score. Okay, so you might say, well, I'm not smarter. I can't read. You can't, you, you can't make that excuse. Because if you begin to make excuses, you're never going to make improvements. So you have to decide today. I'm here telling you that discipline is doable in your life. It's workable in your life. But the first thing that you have to commit to is to stop making excuses. Because an undisciplined life, listen, a life filled with excuses leads to disarray. One of the, the easiest examples of this that I could give you is that even our, even our physical body, spiritually, it definitely plays itself out, but even our physical bodies denote chaos and consequence when we are undisciplined. I'll give you an example. My grandfather, um, I could use my father or my, or my grandfather, diabetes runs in my family. The diabetes gets us, all right? Like, it, it's, it's just there. Both of my great-grandfathers had diabetes, my grandfather had diabetes, and now my father has diabetes. But check this out. My grandfather, he was about 55 years old. The doctor said, hey, listen, all you have to do is limit your sugar intake, like basically stop eating it altogether and begin to eat things like vegetables and things that are green and um, scale back on bread a little bit, incorporate more protein into your diet, and you will not have to go on medicine. You will not have to go on medicine. Well, my grandfather uh, really loved angel food cake, and so he ate... uh, he ate cake a lot and he ate sugar and he overate fried foods. And so by the time he was 60, he was uh, having to give himself a shot in the stomach every day of insulin, right? My dad, now when my dad was about 55, about the same age, the doctor said, hey, listen, you're in the early stages of diabetes. If you change your diet now, you won't have to go on medication and, um, and, and you'll, you can avoid all of the, the, the physical implications and complications that are going to come with this disease. Well, my dad, being much like his dad, uh, loves sweets. So he continued to eat sweets. Now, my dad is uh, not to the place where he's having to give himself shots, but he's on medication for diabetes. And what they'll say is like, oh, it was just, it was genetic. It was you know, it's hereditary. It's, 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 it's part of, and what I realized from the outside looking in, being able to be objective, say, no, you just like Krispy Kreme. Like at the end of the day, like your excuse, it's not that you, you couldn't do this. You just chose to be undisciplined when it came to something as small as sugar, right? This tiny granular thing. And if you, you could stretch this out into your life, and I don't want you to miss this, this tiny granular thing has shifted the course of my family's life in their health 
because they could not say no to it, or they would not discipline themselves to stay away from it. Now, you, you can you can stretch that out into a million different things, right? If you're undisciplined with your sleep, you're going to miss out on opportunities. If you're undisciplined in your work, right? If you procrastinate, it's going to cause anxiety. It's going to cause stress. There's going to be opportunities missed, right? Every area of your life, these small granule things that if we would make these tiny adjustments, these minute adjustments of discipline, we could see measurable success, But instead, we are tempted, and it's been conditioned, especially in uh, American society, to just make excuses rather than improvements. Well, I'm short-tippered because my dad was short-tippered, and I was just born this way. I was I was born frustrated. Well, no, that that's not that's not real, right? Like you're impatient, and you're impatient because you're unkind, and you're unkind because you haven't dealt with you. You don't have discipline in your life, so it's doable. But rather than making genuine improvements and incremental change in doing what's difficult, we make excuses. So that's the first thing that you have to do. If you you want to be disciplined, you have to drop the excuses. And I love the way Stephen Covey said it in his book, um, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. He said, the beginning of discipline, and I don't know if he said discipline, I think he said the beginning of success is that you as a person take 100% responsibility for who you are and where you're at in life. He said, and listen, that, this was huge for me because I struggled relationally, I struggled with trust, and I struggled with anger when I was younger. And I used to immediately blame, well, my parents were divorced. I moved like nine times or 13 times in nine years. I went through all of this stuff, and I would blame my trauma or my parents or circumstance or moving rather than looking in the mirror saying, okay, where can I improve? What can I take accountability for? Where can I stop making excuses and begin to grow? I'll tell you a pivotal moment for me. And sometimes it comes, um, th- those moments of discipline come with tough love. I'll never forget this. Uh, I was dating a girl just after high school and her dad was a dog trainer. Uh, his name was Frank Farley. Great family. He was an awesome uh, dog trainer. We're still great friends, me and the whole family to this day. And um, Frank, one day we were out training dogs in the yard and he asked me to hook up the trailer. And uh, I was 18 at the time, maybe 18 turning 19. And uh, and like that was the like the job that I had, I guess, dating his daughter. He was like, if you're dating my daughter, you're going to clean kennels, son. And uh, so I was shoveling dog stuff in the afternoons, like every afternoon in the summer. It was miserable and awesome. And I'll never forget, I hooked up this trailer and I didn't connect the chains on the bottom. And, uh, and I didn't connect the chains. And we got on the truck and got ready to go. And he was like, hey, did you forget anything? And he already knew. He noticed that I didn't connect the chains. And I said, uh, said nah, man, I, uh, everything's great. You know, I, I haven't forgot anything. He said, TJ, are you sure that you didn't forget anything? I said, no. Nah. He said, you, you followed through on everything I asked you to do? I said, yeah, I hooked the trailer up, man. Like, how many times are you going to ask me? So he said, hop out of the truck. So we get out of the truck. We walk around to the back of the truck, and he looks at the trailer, and he says, hey, man, um, do, you, do you notice anything? <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's just giving it to me at this point. He's like, do you notice anything about this? I said, oh. He said, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't hook the chains on. And I, I, I said this. I said, oh, man, I was like, you know me. I got ADD. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetful. That's, that's, that was my response. And he looked at me. He said, TJ, how long are you going to use that as an excuse to not do the things you're supposed to do? And I was like, Oh my goodness. 
like in that moment, I was so, I was just taken aback because everybody had always like, I guess, pampered me or whatever. Or like, you know, I played music and I was spoke from a young age. So like, I don't, maybe I was coddled. Maybe just people were afraid to offend me. I don't know. But he looked at me. He was like, I don't care who you are, but you're going to do what I ask you to do and you're going to follow through or I don't want you to work for me and with me anymore. And I was just like, oh, and what I realized, and this is what he said. He said, TJ, if we were going down the road and he, he plays this out. And this trailer, the hitch comes off. He said, this trailer could veer into another lane of traffic and, and you could kill someone, you could hurt somebody, or you, you, you know, you could, you could cause serious damage to someone because of your forgetfulness. And this is what he said. He said, to you, it's not a big deal. And it wasn't a big deal right now. He said, but something that you think is insignificant and small, like just hooking the chains onto this trailer could have significant lifelong impacts forever on someone else. And that has played over in my mind so many times because isn't that true of discipline for us? Things that we think, oh, this is just, this isn't consequential, right? Like in this moment, like, like I don't have to be disciplined in my conversations of kindness or, you know, I, you know, or I don't have to be disciplined in the things I watch or the things that I listen to or what kind of material that I view on the internet. It's just this small window. It's just these small chains that I'm not hooking up. I'm hooking the trailer up. I'm doing the big picture things. Everything else is right. It's just these little areas. And what we don't realize is sometimes neglecting and being undisciplined in the little things in life allows the whole trailer to veer off course and have lifelong consequences and impact. So I say that to say, I've been there. I've made those excuses. I've presumed on my own uh, abilities or talents at times and just made excuses rather than being disciplined. And thankfully, there have been people in my life before and even now who are quick and willing to call out the moment that I'm undisciplined. And I hope for you that you have somebody in your life that's willing to tell you where you can get better, where you can get sharper, and where you can refine your discipline. So discipline is doable. Listen to me say this. It's uncomfortable until it's common. It is uncomfortable until it's common. Discipline is not always comfortable. I quoted you the verse earlier from Hebrews 12, 11, and I'll give it to you again. Discipline in the moment seems painful, but in the in produce of fruits produces fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So in the moment, it's uncomfortable until it's common. Like if you played a sport, you know that your first couple of weeks in the weight room is incredibly uncomfortable. Well, it's uncomfortable until you see those weights changing and you see some body transformation, right? Like it's uncomfortable to push the plate away when you need to get a grip on your eating habits. It's uncomfortable until you see the scale changing and you, you begin to be able to fit into those clothes again and you feel better and you sleep better and your, your reflux goes down, right? Like it's uncomfortable sometimes to discipline yourself to sit down and read material and absorb the research for your area of work, right? But when it becomes common, you reap the benefits of it when it becomes something that's just a part of your life. Because here's, here's the reality. Discipline in your life and in my life will either be offered or imposed. You say, TJ, what in the world are you talking about? Well, uh, let's go back to my dad and my grandfather and this history of diabetes in my family. Discipline was offered to them first, right? Like, hey, guys, all you have to do is, is change your diet 
incorporate a little exercise. I think he told my the doctor told my grandfather like if you'll just walk thirty minutes a day and stop eating sugar, I think you're going to be okay. Like I think we can manage this uh, from a from a practical standpoint before we have to involve medicine. I think you're going to be okay if you can just make these changes. Discipline was offered. Well, he didn't adopt a process of dipl- discipline in his life. So then, discipline had to be imposed all right, you're going to have to take this medicine. You're going to have to give yourself a shot. And now if you don't stop eating sugar, right, there's going to be real negative impacts that could be life-threatening. So now discipline was imposed because it wasn't offered. In your life, hear me say this, you can either offer your discipline to your job, your friends, your family, your dreams, or one day that discipline will be imposed right? Like you, you can offer that discipline. If you, if you want to be great, if you want to succeed, if you want to go to the next level, you can offer that discipline up and watch it bear fruit, like watch it maximize who you are and your potential. Or one day that discipline in some way will have to be imposed on your, on your life and in your life. And it's not nearly as fun or enjoyable when it's imposed as it is when you offer it. Um, and, and I'll say it like this too, because some of you may say, well, well TJ, I, I literally don't have the time to read three hours a night or I don't have the time, you know, to spend um, exercising an hour a day. Like it just doesn't, you know, I'm raising three kids or I, we, we got five kids at home. I got some friends. I have a friend that has eight kids, you know, and, and you, you know, we're running the baseball, we're running the soccer, we're running basketball. TJ, I, I just don't have the time. I want you to hear me say this because sometimes when we hear talks on discipline or when we think about discipline, we think that, that my level of discipline or my exact prescription of discipline has to be the discipline that you adopt in your life to be successful. And that's not just that that's just not true. Self-discipline is married to personal prescription and identity. Your discipline can be catered to who you are and the time that you have. Discipline looks like you, you say, TJ, I want to know the Bible better, right? Or I want to spend more time with Jesus. I want to become a more authentic worshiper. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. You know, for, for some people, they think, well, if I'm going to really be disciplined, then I have, to, I have to sit down with my wife every night for an hour and ask meaningful questions and unpack her day and give her time to process. For some of you guys, what it might look like is saying, you know what? I'm going to be intentional with every text that I send, I'm going to be intentional with every phone call that I make to her. I'm going to be intentional with every conversation that we have. And though the quantity, we might not be able to get there yet to where I'm exercising for an hour, I'm having hour long or two hour long conversations, or I'm reading for an hour straight, I might not be able to get there yet. But the five minute conversation or the 10 minutes that I sit down to read that I carve out just 10 minutes, those are going to be the most quality, meaningful 5, 10, 20, 15 minutes, whatever it is that I have in my life today. So discipline can be, your self-discipline can be married to personal prescription and identity. It can fit your schedule and it can fit who you are as a person. It doesn't have to look like mine, but if it's not there, you will feel the effects of it, Right. And, and nobody started with three hours a day. Well, I remember one time reading Martin Luther, um, the, who was responsible for, you know, nailing the thesis to the door of the church and uh, responsible for the Reformation. And he, he said one time that he spent three hours in the morning talking with the Lord and praying and in the scriptures before he would start his day. And he said if he felt like it was going to be an especially challenging day, he would add another hour. And listen, I, I look at his life and I'm like, oh my God, like I don't, I don't, I can't compare to that. 
Like, I'm not going to spend four hours reading a day or three hours reading, but I look at his life and I'm like, okay, he, he was a monk. He lived in a monastery. Like, like, oh, he didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I guess when you're in a monastery and you're surrounded by books and like cold walls and no people, then, you know, it fit his life. And yes, we're going to have to get uncomfortable, but there are things, there are areas of discipline. There are things that you can do that you can incorporate tomorrow that may only be five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes that one day can grow to serious good discipline that produces fruits of righteousness to those who are trained by it. Um, now, I'll say this, and, and I've said this before on a podcast. I say this often to friends of mine because we think that, okay, TJ's saying that I need to be disciplined or this is how discipline works. So if I don't launch into an hour tomorrow, then I failed. Or if I only give five minutes or three minutes or seven minutes a day for the first year, two weeks or five weeks or whatever, then I failed. Well, here we say this. We know where we want to go. And you've heard me say this before. You know where you want to go. You're never going to get there with a leap. It's always going to be steps. Okay. Where you want to go. If I walked into this room, I'll say it like this. If I walked in this room, this room was a hundred degrees and I wanted to, to, wanted it to be 70. I could walk over to the thermostat and I could plug in 70. I would know where I was going but it doesn't go from 100 to 70. It goes down degree by degree. So it's these incremental changes. It's these incremental moves that gets you to where you want to be. And that's what discipline is. It's yesterday's non-negotiables that will affect tomorrow's progress. It's doable. It's uncomfortable until it's common. It's better offered from you than imposed by someone else. And self-discipline is married to personal prescription and identity. It can fit into your story right where you are. So think about the areas in your life where you want to change, the areas in your life where you know you could get better, the areas in your life, right, where, where you know you have something to offer, you have a gift that you could cultivate, you have a team that you could pour into, you have a family that needs your time, your attention, your affection, you have friends that, that, that you could love on and develop and, and you could mentor. Well, to, to become that mentor, to become that friend, that parent, that coach, whatever it is, you have to be disciplined. So begin today. Right, right now. And this, this podcast, podcast, learning, education is part of it, right? Begin today to make these incremental changes so that at the end of the day, you can get to where you want to get and you don't have to make excuses about why you didn't get there. Be disciplined today and watch God bless that discipline with fruit and effective change in the future. Listen, I hope this has been beneficial for you. I'm so grateful um, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful that you hang out with me and you let me unpack. Most of the stuff that you hear is what I get to tell my team. So I'm so honored that you would spend some time with me and hear uh, what I have to say about life, leadership, and the gospel. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJ Malden Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.